the appropriate size business for the appropriate size solution. And so here's a small business, 50 or fewer employees. Their IT project manager responded, said, you know, implementation of a great e-commerce solution, what do you like best? Great cooperation from the Spriker team. They are always there to help you, strict architecture rules, easy to scale. Growing a business requires a holistic approach that extends beyond sales and marketing. This approach needs alignment among people, processes, and technologies. So if you're a business owner, operations, or finance leader looking to learn growth strategies from your peers and competitors, you're tuned into the right podcast. Welcome to the WBS Podcast, where scalable growth using business systems is our number one priority. Now, here is your host, Sam Gupta. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the WBS Podcast. I'm Sam Gupta, your host and principal consultant at independent ERP and digital transformation consulting firm, Elevate IQ. E-commerce is easy when you are managing a couple of stores and selling in six figures. But it becomes increasingly difficult when you have to manage millions and billions of transactions while also managing the transactional depth of a complex business with thousands of channel partners. When you grow at that level, you will need different search engines for different areas of your e-commerce business. You will also need to manage a centralized CI and CD pipeline to manage the promotion of your changes in a controlled manner. Finally, you might also plan to launch your own marketplace where you might allow your distributor to sell through your platform. This would require you to have complete control of your data, pricing, and product to avoid channel conflict issues. So what would be your options if you have such complexity in your business? Well, Spriker is one such option. They are leading the headless and marketplace movement for the enterprise space. In today's episode, we invited a panel of cross-functional experts for a live interview on LinkedIn, who brings significant expertise to discuss Spriker's capabilities. We discussed their strength with the enterprise and B2B features. Finally, we discussed their punch-out integration capabilities, product catalog features, and how they are different from other headless platforms. With that, let's get to the conversation. Hello, everyone. Welcome to today's show. And if you're joining for the first time, this is part of our e-commerce series for which we meet every Wednesday at 5.30 p.m. Eastern. And we pick one vendor or the solution that we review independently. And for today, we are going to be reviewing another hot platform called Spriker. And they are also part of the Headless Gang. So we are going to have a lot of fun discussing that before we do that we are going to start with everybody's intros i am going to start with my intro if you don't know me i am your host sam gupta i'm principal at elevate iq elevate iq is the independent erp uh, digital transformation and e-commerce consulting firm and we help our clients with erp selection any sort of solution architecture project recoveries etc on that note i am going to move to phil for his intro 
Hi, everybody. Phil Kerper with Ringling Business Solutions. We help executive leadership teams align their digital transformation with their core business processes and particularly take a holistic view at the investments in IT and make sure that you're getting the biggest return and the best outcomes you can get. So happy to be here tonight. Amazing. Thank you so much for being here, Phil. Robert, can I ask you to introduce yourself next? Certainly. Robert Brown with Robert Brown E-Commerce Consultancy. Um, I come with 20 years of Fortune 50 e-commerce and digital experience, helping small to medium-sized businesses grow to the next level. Amazing. Thank you so much for being here, Robert. And um, if you are in the audience and joining for the first time, uh, make sure that you guys are going to send your questions and comments. Our panelists are going to make sure that they are, we answer them during the show. If you're out of time, then uh, we'll make sure that you are going to receive your answers. On that note, I am going to start with the briefing for today's um, vendor or the solution. So guys, and I don't know if you guys have had a chance to do any research on uh, on these guys, but as I mentioned, they seem to be part of the headless gang. They have fairly high valuation, and all of these companies are valued valued at like what a billion dollar, I guess. Uh, I think their recent funding round was for I believe roughly two hundred million dollar, closer to that, somewhere somewhere around. So which is obviously a big deal. Now the reason why these companies are getting so much funding, and I personally like Sprite Solution a lot. Okay, and I'll tell you why I like it. So when you look at the enterprise play overall in the headless space, when you look at the SMB market, obviously you are going to have a lot of different tools. Here, what Spryker is trying to do is they are really into that marketplace play. Okay, I don't know if there are a lot of different e-commerce platforms out there that can support the internal marketplaces. And when you say internal marketplaces, meaning let's say you have Amazon, Amazon is trying to create the marketplace uh, for their own suppliers and, and vendors. And that's what a lot of different OEMs are trying to do. And when you have to do that, you are looking at millions and millions of dollars to build your own infrastructure. Now, Spryker is actually providing you all of those capabilities. So when we are going to be looking at the solution, it has very deep capabilities overall in terms of the way your business units are going to be. It has a lot of different um, you know, flavors of the rules and approval flows, the way your ERP systems are going to be structured. Um, you know, this is how they have thought about the e-commerce platform. Uh, obviously, that is going to be very powerful when you are going to have very regulated B2B organizations, when you need to have control in terms of the price, in terms of what uh, each of the customers and vendors are going to see on your e-commerce platform. That's where the real depth is going to be of the Spryker platform. The other depth that I have seen in some of the reviews is going to be the number of transactions and the speed of those transactions. It's just mind blowing. Okay, they are processing billions and billions of transactions, and I don't know any other platform. If you are going to find any other platform that are going, that is going to be equally capable, they are going to be super legacy, super ugly. Okay, so the difference between Spryker uh, versus some of the those legacy platforms, such as if you talk about SAP Hybris or uh, you know Oracle ATG, I guess you know those are going to be the ones that are going to be really strong in 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 those transactions and providing those. IT capabilities that you are going to be needing, but then you still require a lot more IT capabilities in order to deliver on those platforms. With a Spryker, you have best of both worlds. 
number one, you are getting the enterprise capabilities. Uh, and number two, you are getting the CMS capabilities as well, plus the, the transaction uh, capabilities. So I'm going to, you know, pause there. I'll open up uh, the floor for your commentary. Robert, do you want to start? Um, I like some of the things that, that Stryker is doing. Um, you know, they're they're based on PHP. They are part of the open code. So they actually have published their code into GitHub. So it allows people to actually take a look at the code and poke around before they actually purchase to see if it, it's a platform. But a lot of these big shops are very code specific. So if you come from a Java shop, the likelihood that you're willing to look at a PHP product is pretty slim. So that that's certainly a consideration. Okay, amazing. Phil, any commentary? Yeah, the 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 headless or 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 you know kind of turning upside down to say let's really have a be a developer tool that allows a ton of customization um is is interesting and there's a couple couple folks that are trying to turn the thought process in 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 this industry upside down a little bit. So it's fascinating, but you got to have some sophisticated IT capabilities you got to be focused on innovation and focused on really making your front end and your customer experience very customized and very specific for what you want versus buying something that has a lot of functionality that you're going to use out of box and maybe tweak it this is buying something that allows you to really customize and make the front end of your business specific to what you're trying to do but the, it certainly is a developer-aimed type of uh, type of platform, it looks like to me. Amazing insights there. So I will start with the, the slides if you guys don't have any other comments. So here, I think this is the article that is coming from Crunchbase or TechCrunch. And here they are saying Spryker, which provides a full suite of e-commerce tools for businesses. And when they say full suite, I think they are mentioning a lot of different things from the punch-out integration capabilities. They have far deeper capabilities in terms of the vendor club collaboration uh, and your customer collaboration, that whole marketplace play. Uh, but we are going to be reviewing their capabilities deeply. And I personally was expecting a little bit more overall from the marketplace perspective. So when I think of the marketplace, marketplaces are deeper in the enterprise capability. So I don't know how effective they are going to be. Let's say if they are trying to build something like Amazon in terms of marketplace, but you, know, you are going to get something out of the box, but then you probably need to develop uh, on top of that, uh, you know, if you are trying to create the, the real marketplace. Um, so here they are saying, starting with a platform to bring a company's inventory online. That's the whole intent of e-commerce. How that inventory is selling and where, and then adding voice commerce, subscriptions, click and collect, IoT commerce. Now, when you look at these patterns, um, to be honest, I mean, they are very complex, okay? Uh, enabling click and collect experience, enabling subscription-based voice commerce. I don't know if any other platforms can, can really do that. And IoT commerce is going to be uh, another, you know, ball game overall. And that's why headless is just so hot uh, because you are going to get far many interfaces where consumers are going to be interacting uh, with your shop. So you are going to be publishing your inventory everywhere. And that's probably going to be a nightmare for any RP guy to be able to synchronize that across the, the channels. But seems like these guys are at least trying to, to get there. And which is why, you know, I like Headless a lot overall, uh, you know, as as the movement, as as the as the platform. So here they, this is the the round that they have closed. So I think the 130 million is what they have quoted here. I mentioned 200. Pretty close, right? <laughs> okay. What else do we have here? There are some of the other platforms. So here they are saying Series C uh, was led by TCB, the investor. Okay, they have other companies in the portfolio, Facebook, Airbnb, 
etc and uh, they are trying to provide the interesting and upcoming e-commerce plumbing startups like you know Spryker, Relax and more and they, on a daily basis i am seeing that a e-commerce startup is popping up so i don't know what is going to happen to all of these startups so there are at least 50 companies that i know that are providing or probably more to be honest okay uh, that are providing some sort of e-commerce capabilities in the case of e-commerce obviously it's going to be very niche down because each industry is going to have very unique requirement and phil we have seen that in case of you know if you talk about apparel the, the whole e-commerce workflow is very different in general so it seems that they are probably going to have some place but there is always going to be a balance of the customization versus how much development capabilities you are providing as part of the platform. Now, they are saying Spryker today has around 150 customers. And my understanding is that they are not uh, majorly from North America. In general, North America seems to be slightly behind uh, in the e-commerce capabilities. If I look at a site from Europe, they just seem to be better, to be honest, okay, for some reason. I don't know if they have better developer, designer, or they, are, they just have more appetite for e-commerce. Uh, but overall experience, if you compare the sites that are built, for example, let's say on Commerce Tools or Spryker, they just, the experience seems to be better uh, in terms of the site speed, in terms of the quality of the development, uh, in terms of the customer experience. So I don't know why that is happening, but, uh, you know, companies from Europe seems to be slightly ahead overall in terms of their appetite for e-commerce and e-commerce experience. And these customers are primarily going to be from Europe. They are not uh, from North America. Um, so that's pretty much it. If you guys have anything to Yeah, a couple quick ones on that on that slide, Sam. First of all, maybe that that the and I looked at a couple of their customer sites and they are gorgeous and they're and they're very innovative and they're you can tell the product is 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 innovative with that their customers are selling as well. Yeah. Um, you know the uh, last week we talked about automotive. You know maybe the European uh, lead as far as some of these headless and some of these more innovative commerce sites are from. You know the types of customers that are really central in Europe, like some of those uh, car companies in Europe, are beautiful experience and, and use this type of software to do it. The internet of things is another comment I had on this. They they got somewhat of a case study on their site on this, and it's really about where different pieces of equipment in a B two B environment are self ordering supplies or self ordering service, and how they're able to connect the that B two B experience directly into the commerce site which is very innovative and, and forward looking. But on the other hand, I mean, you know, they're, they're worth $500 million. This is their third round and they're, they got 150 customers for $50 million annually. So it still is, a, I mean, they're still early here just as a startup with three rounds of funding. Yeah. You know, so someone's going to try to take this headless space and, and come out of there as the leader and, 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 you know, hopefully you're, for them, hopefully turn into the, you know, one of the next big things. You know, one of the things that helps being European based is you're forced to deal with complexity. So they're multilingual, multi-currency, cross-border, you know, yeah, you're in the EU, but even in the EU, you know, you still have other currencies and all those languages. And, you know, all of those e-commerce folks have to learn to deal with that complexity and continue to move their product. And here in the U.S., We've got volume, but it's usually single, maybe dual language, and that's it. So we, we've seen a lot of really interesting development in, in other um, sectors come out of Europe. And, you know, I, I think we, the U.S. needs to look at some of the European products more than they do. 
completely agree, guys. Great comments there. So here we have, uh, you know, some more comments, and this is the their slide basically uh, for the product variant. And now this is going to appear very similar um, to the other products that we have reviewed. For example, let's say if we compare this with the product called 3D Card that we reviewed roughly two weeks back, uh, I think the variant functionality is going to be fairly similar. But in their case, obviously, the SKU number is going to be different. I don't know if the SKU number was different in the case of 3D Card. So those are some of the nuances that you are probably going to be seeing. And this is uh, you know, applicable for B2B scenario. And that's why they are going to have far deeper capabilities to be able to support, support those variants and options. And when you are going to be in the style vertical and fill, uh, you know, as we saw in case of apparel, that you know the the number of players that you are going to have overall from it gets really deep and any company that is playing in that space probably need to have very deep product model to be able to support that but in their case it does seem that you know they have the individual SKU per variant and variant has the very specific functionality where you can have uh, you know the enable or disable uh, any specific attribute my assumption is going to be uh, i think shopify does have that limitation they can support only 99 uh, that's my understanding of the Shopify platform. I don't know, Robert, if there are any changes with that. I think BigCommerce is going to have a lot of limitations around the, the options. It's not as deep as what you are going to find uh, in the case of Magento or any other ent enterprise platforms uh, such as Spryker. Mm -hmm. Okay, so that's on that. So now here, one of the things that I personally liked about this platform is going to be ability to localize your variants. And that is going to be very unique as well. And this is probably to your comment, Robert, when you said that when you have to support multiple countries in the European geography, which is very complex in general compared to your North America, where you are supporting only two languages, probably two currencies, there you are supporting probably 10 or 15 or 20. So here, your the variants are going to be very localized. That is going to be in terms of the language that they speak, the term that they are going to. So you are going to be localizing all of that. And then you have the concept of super attribute that is fairly unique. I don't think we have seen that in any other platform. So you can enable that at the template level. And then, you know, any of the child variant that you are going to have, you don't have to maintain the separate uh, version. And Phil, if I remember correctly, I, I believe two or three months back, you mentioned uh, your pain point about this whole SKU maintenance. So this is where you are going to get that enterprise capability where you don't have to worry about maintaining, you know, each variant of SKU whenever you are going to have just one change on the SKU. And then, you know, you are probably modifying it 100 different places when the underlying product is same. And for the target customers who, to your point on on the, the capacity to accept a lot of volume without caching and without other other techniques, which is amazing, on top of being able to connect the variants together, child parents. So when you're maintaining it, I mean, those are those go hand in hand and are awesome. Yeah, could not agree more. Okay, um, so the their uh, you know capabilities are slightly deeper. That's what I could find compared to some of the other uh, you know platforms that we have seen so far. For example, let's say if we compare this with 3D Cart, then the options are probably going to appear similar. But then they have things such as you know product groups which are separate from your related products. So in case of 3D Cart, we could see that. And again, I don't think 3D Cart is really the comparison here because I don't think they can handle the volume 
that Spiker is going to have. So even if they are going to be functionally very similar product, and that's how most customers like to choose the product. But if you look at the deep technical capabilities, the Spiker is going to be far more capable platform to be able to handle the workload that I don't think 3D card is going to be able to handle. But let's say if we compare functionally as well, the Spiker is going to have far deeper capabilities in terms of defining the product labels. So they have a uh, you know separate object that you can utilize to define different labels that you want to have for the clearance item, for the sales items. So that maintenance is going to be easier. They have product groups, which is very different from your from your uh, related products. They have separate category for that. So product group is going to be useful in fashion vertical, in apparel vertical, when you have to group two unrelated products based on a, a particular property. For example, it could be season or color that you can do inside e-commerce. And those products are not going to be related as such. You are simply grouping them. Uh, using the product group feature. These are the product labels that I was talking about. I think I don't think we have seen product labels anywhere else, and that could either require the customization or add-ons. I don't know how customers typically handle, but this is definitely a very neat functionality where you are going to be releasing some of the featured products or you know, products on sale or clearance. So that's where the nuanced functionality is going to be when you look at the e-commerce. The then this is the, the relations one. And here, the relations are far deeper as well. So here, you are defining the entire tree in terms of how those products are going to be appearing uh, on your site. So you are literally uh, defining that hierarchy in the back end. And then you have very deep approval flow uh, and the permission flow that is embedded as part of your data model. That's where I, I like the depth of the data model striker. And again, they are far more, that's why they are far more capable overall, um, you know, because of all of these uh, features that they have at the data model level and not just, you know, some fancy features that they are trying to enable from UI. Yeah, and I, I wonder how that, where that compares with a customer, right? Because this is obviously much deeper, but product relationships, you know, that 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 those features on some level exist in all of these front end products, right? To be able to drop different relationships between products, some of them uh, parent child, some of them not. But this just looks like you're able to build it exactly the way you want it, which which looks powerful, Sam. I don't as as someone does this show a difference between headless and some of the out of box ones as far as the depth you can go on this because you're actually developing it the way you want. So. You know, on your comment about headless, so this platform you can utilize as headless, but right now what we are looking at is the CMS capability, right? Okay, so this, this is their package functionality kind of out of box, or should I think of it that way? Yeah, exactly. So so okay. this is going to be a platform the way you are going to get in case of your Magento or App Server or any other enterprise grade platform where marketers can go and they can, you know, set up their data the way they want. But then you also have the headless capability where programmers can go and they can customize whatever they want as well. So you have best of both worlds in case okay. of commerce. That's, that's super helpful. So that's super helpful. Thank you. Yeah, so the, the the Spiker marketing team has done a pretty good job when you look at their site and look at their technologies. They've actually grouped it. So they have the composable commerce, which is plug and play with anybody. So you can get the best in breed of whoever, whoever you want, um, which is what most organizations are going to do. But they also do the prepackaged um, functionality. So if you know kind of what you want to do, they can put together the package for you and, and hand it off to make it a little bit easier for you to get up and running pretty quickly. And then they have the pass cloud. Got it. 
Yeah, and Phil, about your comment on product grouping that, you know, most of the products do the product grouping in some shape or form. The only difference with Spryker is going to be you have additional layers, okay? So you are not going to have as many layers with the other platforms. For example, let's say if you look at your SMB platforms, then you are probably going to have some sort of, you know, kit and bundles. So Spryker has the official support for kits and bundles. Uh, they have support for your product group, which is different from your kits and bundles. Okay. Uh, then you have labels, which is completely different concept. Then you have product relations, which is completely different concept. So the, the number of layers that you have to be able to build your product hierarchy, whether you are building for your product recommendations or you are simply building it, you know, because you want to group similar price products or, you know, cross-sell, upsell, whatever you want to try, you have many different tools in your toolbox to be able to enable that. Um, you will run out of those options with these smaller platforms because they are not going to have as many layers. Yeah, that gets at the functional comparison, but really helpful on the different ways, and Robert, the way you put it there, the different ways that they're offering you a way to get into the product and a way to have the product match to what you're really what you're really doing is super Super interesting. I, you know, we, we've talked about this before. It's really important for organizations to realize that when you're going to replatform, you really need to re, you know, take a look at whatever your processes are in place and try to do as much off the shelf from the product as possible. That allows you to actually hit the market a lot faster, a lot less expensively. If you try to replicate everything that you've been doing before with a new platform, that can just bog you down a really long time. Yeah, great comments, guys. So here on this slide, I think this is the major differentiator that I don't think I have personally seen in any other platform. So here you are defining your business units the way you would define in your ERP. Uh, and this is going to be as part of one platform where you have all of those relationships as well as the approval flow and the data sharing agreement, uh, you know, mentioned right inside the platform. In my mind, I think it is extremely powerful, uh, you know, because most of the companies or the platforms, the way they are going to handle this is they are going to have separate platform for each of the marketplace that you might be. When I say marketplace, meaning geography that you might be selling or the brands that you might be selling. So you are maintaining 50 different databases uh, to be able to sell that. And then when you have to integrate, it's going to be harder. Here you are maintaining as far, I don't know, from the technology perspective, because I saw one of the review where one of the users said that, you know, this is probably not in the same database. So I don't know if there are any nuances there as well, but based on the way it, it appears, it almost seems like as if they are actually building that multi-entity functionality, uh, you know, that is typically part of your ERP where you can have all of your business units and, and then you have the, the data sharing agreement along with the addresses for your warehouses as well. So you have very deep hierarchy uh, overall that you can specify inside Spryker. Okay, so this is a very, very, very neat functionality that again, I have not seen anywhere else, but this is going to be hiding the price. I don't know if everybody is going to be okay with that, but in the case of B2B, in some cases, you might want to hide the price because you might be offering different price to different uh, tiers of uh, your customers. So that is probably going to be really handy when you are working with many different suppliers, they might be at different tiers. Um, so this is a very neat feature that they have support for it out of the box. Okay, so I am overall a bit confused. Honestly speaking, I have seen a lot of different videos for the marketplace functionality. So honestly speaking, none of the videos really have a clear uh, you know, demonstration of how the marketplace functionality is going to work. It does appear very patchy. They have a lot of different things that you can uh, enable from the technical perspective. 
but I don't have a clear picture in my mind how the marketplaces are going to work with Spryker. I don't know if you guys saw anything different based on the research that you may have done. But it seems like this whole, the way you are sharing your shopping list, the way you are sharing your shopping card, okay, the way you are sharing it with each of the business units, that's where the marketplace functionality is going to be really critical because, you know, you are enabling each of the vendors based on whatever mm -hmm. you want them to do. So that's where the complexity is. You are not just opening the whole store that, okay, go and sell whatever you want. That's not typically how the marketplace model works because sometimes what you have to do is you are going to limit your vendor. Okay, I'm going to give you just one product, see how you perform, and then I am going to open up more uh, product to you. So you need those, uh, you know, governance workflow as part of the platform. And, and I think that's where this functionality is going to be very handy. Now, so here they are talking about, you know, sharing the shopping list. And by the way, shopping cart and shopping list, these are two different concepts and they are doing a lot more from the affiliate perspective. You can share the whole shopping list from the B2B perspective. So let's say if you buy 350 products on a weekly basis, they are making it really in sharing that shopping list across, uh, you know, customer. Let's say if you want to share that. So they have a lot of different workflows from the B2B perspective or user experience. So I personally like that. Okay, the other feature that I am a big fan, okay, so now when you are looking at billions and billions of transactions, okay, and enterprise search, uh, Phil knows this, and that's why he's smiling, uh, you know, so here, not only you have the elastic search that is going to be enabled as part of your platform, but you can utilize whichever search engine you like, um, you know, at places wherever you like, so you, you can literally rip apart and use the search engine that you, you like. And again, when you talk about those billion transactions, that's where your search capabilities are going to be extremely handy because if your search is going to be slow, good luck with that e-commerce experience. Nobody's going to buy from you. Uh, <laughs> so that's where I like this one a lot. And then obviously you have many different ways of controlling the permissions that you can for the marketplaces. So I, I like those features a lot as well. Any comments, guys? I can take some comments. I love the fact that they actually are talking about workflows. A lot of the tools that we've we've discussed in the past do not specifically talk about workflows. So that's a much more sophisticated level. Yeah, completely agree. Phil, anything? Nope, good with this one. But it is, it's impressive. Yeah. Uh, okay, so this is where the merchant relations are going to be handy. And again, you know, I don't have a clear picture in terms of how the marketplace is going to work in this particular case. So uh, here you have the merchant relations where you have the merchant name, you have the business unit owner. So it's very similar to how ERP systems are going to be treating this when they are going to be dealing with those B2B hierarchies. But here you are talking about that permission enablement for each of the merchants that you might have as part of your distribution network. So you have complete control in terms of what you want to do with them. But I don't know if the hierarchy is going to be deep enough to be able to support all of those enterprise workflows. That's where my, uh, you know, uh, thought process is. I'm just not able to visualize in my head how this marketplace is going to work. And if, if uh, the companies are going to have enough control based on the kind of customers that they have signed, they seem super happy. So obviously they should have a, a really good marketplace experience and that's why they are happy or maybe they are happy because they don't have any other option. So, <laughs> so whatever they are getting uh, is probably better than anything else. But overall, I like the way they have done. I mean, I would like to see a little bit more 
marketplace functionality in their demos that i that is not available so far so i don't know if that exists or does not exist so that is going to be in terms of overall the order splitting functionality uh, i don't know uh, you know if you are going to require that when you are going to have multiple vendors because you might get one large order that you are going to be sending to multiple vendors i don't know if that is possible but i can see some scenarios uh, in the marketplace and then you know some sort of you know lead collaboration workflows well which i did not see uh, in their demo so those would be my question uh, in terms of the marketplace experience and how capable these marketplaces are going to be let's say if you are trying to create your own, your own marketplace then you are going to have far deeper capabilities in enabling the the entire workflow uh, i didn't see that in case of once we review some more tools then we'll probably know if any other tools are going to have better capabilities for marketplace but overall the marketplace business model is fairly new when you talk about the the platform play we don't have a lot of platforms that originally supported these marketplaces um, so hopefully you know they are going to be developing features there uh, comment uh, phil i was i was going to say i guess it's a little surprising me i guess it's where they're at in their development but if you look at the way they're presenting the customers they're chasing you would think they'd be a little farther along here than than what it looks like they are exactly exactly uh, Robert, do you have something? Well, looking at the size of their customers, I, I think, you know, the guys that are signing on know what they're getting, have the development teams in place to make happen what they want to have happen. So some of their big customers are Rioche, Aldi, and Toyota. You know, there there is no lack of funds there to achieve what they want. Exactly. Exactly, guys. So some more comments here. Uh, you know, overall, they are providing a lot more capabilities in terms of their order entry, which I like a lot. It's really neat. So you can really specify your SKUs and uh, and the, you know, your quantity or whatever. And then the order entry is going to be really slick. Uh, you know, I wish other e-commerce platforms supported capabilities like this. This is uh, in terms of parsing that data and uh, doing the P2P ordering. Some more features, reorder functionality. I don't think we have seen that with other platforms. So here you are literally reordering and you are doing the duplicate right from the order itself. And some of these orders could be extremely complex because they could have 300,000 different line items. And, and, and if you need to replicate that order, you know, reorder functionality is super critical, especially for B2B customers. If you are talking about B2C, you know, it's very rare that consumers are going to order unless they are ordering something that they need on a regular basis. But here, B2B companies work slightly differently, and that's where you reorder the duplication functionality is probably going to be. Real. So these are some of the B2B specific features that they have highlighted, which is going to be your uh, you know, customer specific prices. Uh, I think customer specific prices you are probably going to find in BigCommerce. Uh, you know, Magento obviously, and then customer group you are going to probably find in both. Um, so obviously, that's probably not a differentiator. But let's say I don't know blacklist, whitelist products. I don't know if that is going to be there in those products. Uh, maybe you would need an add-on to be able to do that. But uh, you know, that's definitely a very thick feature uh, overall from the B2B experience perspective. Shopping cart buying thresholds. Uh, now we are getting really deep overall in terms of the functionality. I don't think, uh, you know, other platforms would have the shopping cart thresholds and the approval flow. And when you are, let's say, doing the marketplace, uh, you know, if you are working with very deep channel, then you probably would require these controls uh, to be able to control uh, the channels and in some regulated products as well. I think I can see. Phil, I don't know if you're going to have any comments there. Yeah, I, I, I like you say, I'd like to see some use cases on this of where exactly. I mean, I understand what they're saying, 
And I can see, I'm not sure that, I'm surprised they're highlighting that. And again, I'm thinking back to what Robert said earlier of their, some of their large customers. I don't know why they would use a threshold like that, but I'd like to see think more about it. So I was looking at um, some of the reviews on G2, and this goes back to something that we've been talking about for the last couple of months, and it's the appropriate size business for the appropriate size solution. And so here's a small business, 50 or fewer employees, their IT project manager responded, said, you know, implementation of a great e-commerce solution, what do you like best? Great cooperation from the Spriker team. They are always there to help you. Strict architecture rules, easy to scale. What do you dislike? No simple front-end features. Some B2B functionality isn't easily installed for, for B2C. So, you know, we've been saying this every single show. You really need to know what you're trying to achieve and match that to the tool that you're looking at. And because, you know, there's some great features here. I mean, there's some great things to think about this tool, but it doesn't necessarily apply to every situation. Could not agree more. And, uh, you know, if you are going to be a small B2C shop, I don't see a reason why you would go for something striker. It doesn't make any sense. Right. Uh, so great points there, Robert. Yeah. Yeah, it, def- it definitely points at B2B and it points at, <clears throat> even if you're buying some of their out-of-box, more less customizable stuff, it still is, it still has someone focused on a pretty complex business. Yeah. And guys, and this is where I am super confused and I was trying to do a little bit more research overall in terms of the punch-out functionality. I know, uh, you know, so this is going to be, let's say if you have uh, things like Ariba or Coupa, your customers might have and you are going to be integrating with them. So these are going to be slightly more, you know, either it could be applicable both from the vendor side perspective as well as from the customer perspective. So here they are saying that, you know, you could integrate, uh, you know, with your punch out. So my assumption here is going to be that you are probably uh, integrating from the customer perspective. I could not see a clear view in terms of where exactly are you integrating that. And typically, you know, when you have that kind of integration in the e-commerce play, a lot of companies, what they like to do is, uh, you know, punch out always integrates with your e-commerce and architecturally speaking in my mind it doesn't have to be that way always unless you have a reason to do um, you know when you are trying to enable the omni-channel experience and all of your uh, you know sales channels are going to e-commerce then punch out could be handy but then you could actually do that uh, through your erp as well so i'm not sure why you would bring the, the punch outs here because architecturally speaking, again, the architecture is going to be far easier as soon as you bring to the centralized platform, you are going to have far more control overall, uh, you know, on your inventory. You don't have inventory sitting in two places. The only thing you have to reconcile is going to be your, you know, whatever the setting in your e-commerce. So it's just going to be easier workflow. But let's say if you are bringing all of your punch out transaction to your e-commerce, it's slightly more difficult. And I don't know if this is going to be really the customer side or the vendor side, because this could be applicable at both places. Uh, but here they are saying shop by supplier. So again, I'm, I'm a bit confused overall in their punch out functionality. Uh, Phil, uh, any any comments there by any chance? Yeah, I this one I didn't. I, this one I, I was trying to think through as well when I saw it before the show. It you know it. Why are they doing? I kept asking myself this question you asked. Why are they doing that here? And there must be a reason, right? Because it's 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 pretty strong functionality just from looking at the screen. But they're doing it right up front like that. I'm not sure I understand why that would be. And, and unless you just don't have a strong backend system or you don't have that capability back there, are the two things that would come to mind, I guess. Yeah, but a lot of different e-commerce platforms and the implementations that we have seen, Phil, they 
they always like to integrate e-commerce platform with customers punch out system because customers are going to send the order those are actually going to come to your e-commerce but in my mind when you think of b2c versus b2b separation sure you know b2b is getting a lot of e-commerce capabilities as well but now you are keeping all of your customers in your e-commerce platform then you have all of those problems where you have to reconcile the customer you are keeping at two different places right so so that is my personal challenge in terms of bringing the punch out customers to your your e-commerce platform in my mind you should probably be taking directly to erp because uh, i don't see a reason why they should be coming here right because uh, you're going to you're going to have to have like you say you're creating dual functionality you're going to have to have functionality on in the erp if you're depending on how that's set up but maybe it's a speed question that's the other thing because they're they because they're a lot of their the way the code is written apparently you'd know that better than me sam and just you, you know, it's I saw it in several places. The thing is, is lightning fast, even under all situations. And and so maybe they're able to to get just a more responsive situation here. That's worth having to reconcile, um, you know, the source of truth information in two places. So not too sure about the speed, to be honest. Well, I think this is more of the bias that we see typically in the implementation. If you are going to come from the e-commerce background, um, your preferred platform always is going to be e-commerce. But in my mind, if I look at the clarity of the architecture, you know, my preference always is, okay, how can you bring all of your transactions to your centralized system as fast as possible? Because that is just going to be easier overall from the maintenance perspective. But this is very common. Again, you know, a lot of e-commerce companies, they all integrate punch out with the e-commerce platform. There could be valid reasons why they would do that. You know, let's say if uh, there are going to be any sort of uh, e-commerce use cases and you need to utilize e-commerce functionality. For example, let's say if you are keeping all your pricing and discount uh, in your e-commerce and your ELP does not know about anything. <laughs> I don't know why you would do that, but some com companies have traditionally kept, let's say, the pricing and discount as part of e-commerce platform. Now they need to implement their, uh, you know, punch out functionality. So punch out cannot actually go to your ERP because your pricing and, and discount resides in your e-commerce. So there could be a lot of different reasons why they would do that, but this is very common. Uh, you know, uh, in in our experience, uh, when we look at different e-commerce implementations. But I think it just answered the question, right? If you're if you're gonna if you're 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 gonna deliver the most complete net order, yeah, then you're putting a lot more of the functionality up front. And these commerce platforms have a lot of more of that capability, right? Exactly. And when you are looking at true omni-channel experience, your omni-channel is not going to be complete unless you bring the data that is actually sitting in your ERP, the whole idea of ERP, that is your centralized uh, you know, platform. That is going to give you customer 360. <laughs> you know, you are never going to get omni-channel as part of e-commerce because e-commerce is just one channel or a couple of channels. It's not complete. Couldn't agree more. Okay, Robert, anything? No. Uh, okay, so these are the punch-out catalog requests. And obviously, uh, you know, you have a lot more capabilities overall, you know, from the technical standpoint that you have a lot more traceability is obviously this platform is designed by developers. Uh, it's very clear. Um, so you are going to have a lot more bells and whistles from the development perspective, uh, which is wonderful. So now let's read some of the comments, which I found impressive. So here they are saying, although Spriker has a lot of out-of-the-box features, you are usually going to have to integrate with many systems. Okay, number one thing that we uh, did not touch is going to be overall ecosystem. Since it is fairly new and they are fairly lean, especially in North American market, you are not going to find as many options as you are going to find, let's say in case of your 
Shopify BigCommerce Magento. So that is a huge consideration when you are exploring e-commerce platform because those the payment integration is probably one of the most critical factor for your e-commerce strategy. If you don't have the payment provider supported as part of your e-commerce platform, sure you can hire five developers, uh, you know, and, and ask them to integrate, but who's gonna pay for it? Uh, you know, it becomes really expensive. So that's where the the comprehensiveness of your payment and and shipping features is probably going to be one of the factors that you should be looking at when you are evaluating the e-commerce platform. Here, the user is saying each of these touch points is a point of failure. I could not agree more. <laughs> okay, this is the the language that I like to hear from the users when they really understand that when you are adding two pieces, you know, doesn't matter which how awesome the piece is, the glue is going to be a glue, and glue is always going to be the weakest point in your architecture. So they are absolutely right there that when you are trying to patch all of these together, you know, it's, it's going to have very high chances of, of breaking. So you definitely need to keep that in mind that reduce number of systems, reduce the number of integrations that you are going to have in your architecture and you are going to have for easier life. Uh, here they are saying, in addition, the US market is still relatively new for a striker, which is true, to decide the best practices in some areas. Then they are saying e-commerce solutions such as search, personalization, BI, loyalty, etc., cetera, uh, is going to be fairly limited. And then you are going to be using external tools for that. Search, I understand you probably are going to be replacing your search capability that you don't like, that you might have out of the box. Personalization, I did not see that as part of the suite. In some of the other suites, you have personalization provided as part of the suite. So in this case, you are dealing with a third-party vendor. BI is tricky if you're looking at simply the e-commerce BI, then obviously you probably would require that, but typically BI would mean the enterprise dashboard, not only for sales and marketing, it's also going to be your finance and operations. So you probably need to require a comprehensive strategy. Uh, and then the loyalty. Loyalty is probably going to reside in your uh, e-commerce platform. In this particular case, I don't know if they have loyalty or not. At least I did not see that. So those integrations might not be available uh, as part of the Spriker platform. Um, uh, here they are saying since Spriker is a newer platform, the integration ecosystem is not there yet. Uh, could not agree more, although this is being addressed with the new Spriker app orchestration platform. That last, uh, one, that last one is a big one, though. It, 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 and, it, and it looks like I don't know if that record is part of this May 2022 record, Sam. But if that's if that's pretty current, this business model, this structure or this software structure model to not have a lot of other things ready to go that you can attach to it. I, I see that as as troubling. It's a severe limitation. And you know, that's why it is not meant to be a SMB solution. There's no way. Yeah. It is meant to be enterprise solution where you have a lot of development dollars. Yeah, yeah. So so that comes back to the earlier point Robert made. They're offering everything I read on these guys early was that it was a developer product. They're even their licensing model was often around developer. And yet they're saying, well, no, you can give a lot out of box. You can buy it this way. You can buy it that way. I'm not so sure that's completely. I don't think that holds up when you look at this product. Maybe, so far, I don't know that holds up. It, it's a developer product still. Every Everything. Almost all of the reviews and the negative comments that I read on, on different platforms talks about how you can achieve the results that you want with the appropriate development team. And so if you're a smaller player and don't have the budget, 
you will be disappointed. So that being said, then what's the differentiation between these guys that are heavily developer? You're, you, you know, you, ju- you just need a solid foundation and a good team. I'm not sure why I would pick one against the other. Exactly. What are they giving me? Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm almost going to whiteboard this thing anyways, right? Well, you know, and, and that comes down to, you know, one of the things I said before is many shops are, are very code, not code agnostic. <clears throat> Right. So you've got mean shops. So they want Mongo, Express, Angular and Node. You know, so that's going to be, you know, like the Fang company. So it's going to be like Google, PayPal, Uber, et cetera. You know, a lot of companies, you know, that are using headless are, you know, doing JavaScript on the front end because it's really, really fast. And then on the back end, you know, maybe they're going to use an, an older language like PHP because it's so much cheaper to get a PHP developer than it is a Java developer. Or, you know, if you go with Ruby on Rails, Ruby on Rails is fast, but they're expensive. Yeah, but the only clarification I would make there, Robert, when you are going to be uh, doing Java, it has a lot of different boilerplate overall when you are going to be using those platforms. It's just very hard to develop, okay? When you are going to be, and by the way, if you talk about JavaScript 10 years back, I hated it, okay? I would never approve. As the IT director, I would never approve uh, JavaScript. But today, JavaScript is very different, okay? JavaScript has got similar capabilities as Java used to have in terms of the tight coupling of the object, in terms of the control, okay? Uh, You know, 10 years back, everything used to error out. You know, you had no clue what was happening inside your JavaScript. But today, it's a very tight programming language. And that's the reason why, you know, even the... The server programming you are doing in JavaScript nowadays, people are creating ERPs on JavaScript. So yeah, you know, we've we've got the whole spectrum of of IT departments out there. We we've got very forward thinking, very flexible teams, and we've got very uh, stubborn fixed teams. A better way of putting it, um, you know, it, this is what we have. These are the teams that we have. This is you know what what our framework looks like. This is our stack. We're not going to change from it. All right, guys. So some more comments here overall. Uh, you know, so here they are saying taking some of the processing load off your ERP system NetSuite to speed it up. And this is the comment that is coming uh, from the user where they utilize Spriker because they wanted to reduce the load on your ERP system. That's not making a lot of sense, to be honest. Uh, You know, I don't think speed should be looked in this way. Uh, Typically, if you are trying to reduce the the load of your ERP system, most likely you have outgrown your ERP system. You are trying to use much smaller ERP system and you should be replacing that first uh, before, uh, you know, trying to bring an enterprise uh, platform. So I, I'm not sure if I agree with that comment there. Uh, then they are saying handling the complexities of a franchise system to enable us to accelerate our digital presence into e-commerce. That's where their play is, that whole franchise system. When you have a lot of different distributor or the franchisee in your uh, you know, uh, ecosystem or in the channel, that's where I think their sweet spot is going to be. And then they are saying deliver a highly customized point of sale system that we were not able to achieve from the many vendors. Again, that seems to be very developer-driven comment. To be honest, why the point of sale system needs to be customized, I'm not too sure about that unless you are working. Uh, you know, point of sale system should be super simple overall uh, and should be user-friendly for the, the cashiers that are trying to actually enter those transactions. I'm personally not sure if I have seen any complexity in the point of sale system, um, you know, based on any industries. And I can take some, uh, you know, rebuttals there if you guys have seen anything from the POS perspective. Um I've seen badly designed systems that they put undue pressure on on the the frontline worker. 
because it was developed by uh, a developer as opposed to you know a business. But if, but if you got a lousy ERP, I'm going to go buy something else to take pressure off it. <laughs> yep. <laughs> It doesn't quite sound like going at the problem, just say. <laughs> exactly, guys. So here, uh, you know, some more comments, guys, before we open up for the commentary again. So here, uh, you know, for building a great marketplace with millions of products. Guys, this is where the trick is. Millions of products is the key word. So again, when you are going to have those many SKUs and those many transactions, a lot of platforms are going to struggle. Okay. So this is where the, the key is of Spriker, that it is designed for those enterprise scenarios. Now they are saying uh, Spriker is a system for ambitious e-commerce projects with a high degree of customization and enterprise requirements. There is no simple answer. Don't expect it to be ready out of the box. And within three days, that's not the purpose of the platform. So please don't utilize if you're going to be SMB. We realized marketplaces with more than 550 million products. Guys, that's a big deal. That's a big deal, okay? Real-time quotation and uh, inventory checks from several hundred distributors uh, and individual business requirements such as uploading part lists with thousands of items via drag and drop to place your order. Again, it's a it's 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 a big deal. Here they are saying, you know, they have utilized some of the, um, you know, they have integrated with the car databases, fleet management systems, uh, and that's where, you know, when you are looking at dealer-specific uh, workflows uh, of your e-commerce system, that's going to be a very different uh, e-commerce experience, and you have a little bit of complexity there. So those are the enterprise uses where this platform is going to be a, a, a very good fit. Um, here, some more comments here. We are moving from a D2C-only platform with a host of issues to a feature-rich D2C platform and the distribution platform. Uh, yeah, so they are trying to offer some sort of experience. I don't have anything there overall from the comment perspective. Some more comments. Um, uh, guys, if you look at the number of employees in these companies, they are going to have 1,000, 5,000, 10,000. That is the size of the companies are trying to use this platform. That's where the real power is, to be honest. And Phil, when you are going to be processing this kind of transaction, and if you are going to be designing uh, the platform by on your own, good luck with that implementation. Okay, you are going to be losing billion dollars at least five times before you get it right. That, that's how complex it gets. It's not easy to process, uh, you know, a million transaction or uh, a billion transaction transaction when you are trying to develop that kind of an infra structure here you are getting something that is already tested by a lot of different companies and you know you already know that this is going to work so that's a huge plus in my mind uh, for the enterprise scenario um very good performance in terms of latency uh here they are saying uh 300 line item lines in one order so i think that's where they have the limitation of the platform that they are not able to handle that. So you have some limitations. So obviously, when you are going to hit that, in, in the case of B2B, you are going to have scenarios where companies are going to be ordering 1,000 line items as part of your order. So obviously, this is going to fail. And that's where you are going to get either Salesforce Commerce, uh, SAP Hybrid. So these guys are not there yet overall in their enterprise uh, you know, workflow right now. That's where you are going to go for those platforms. So here, you are probably going to hit the limitation when you are going to have more of 100 more than 300 line items uh, as part of your order. The final comment that I would make is they don't really have the same continuous development and the integration pipeline that we could see in the case of SAP. Uh, and when you are talking about, in fact, Oracle has that as well. So when you are looking at enterprise level 
promotion and the deployment of different features when you are going to have multiple developers working on this it's not going to be simply your git based promotion it's going to be far deeper than that because you have your cms as well as your code so both of those need to go together uh, and releasing those is extremely difficult i don't know if that is all going to be possible using git but you require the the native capabilities for your continuous integration and the and the deployment and that's what we saw in case of sap hybris that i am not seeing here so it almost feels like with the uh, with commerce tools and with this platform, you know, the origin almost feels like to me like that it started with the European automotive segment and some some really smart developers stood up websites that were highly functional for that model. Really important customer experience, a lot of dealer activity, a lot of a lot of volume activity because of the way they set it up. And it's almost like they said, well, let's now make a, a business model out of this and see if we can sell that type of capability in other industries that might have similar thing. And it's smart and and but I it it feels young to me. It feels like it's it's still it's still cooking. And I think we hit it that it, you know, I came into this, the research I set, had was this was a developer a platform where if you have a really to Robert's early point, if you had a really rocking development team that this thing could give you a great customization, a lot of front end speed, a lot of capability. But if you get outside that to smaller companies that don't have that strong piece, they're out of their lane very quickly at this point without some more work. Albert? You know, one of the things that we see with this is, it, it, you know, it feels like it was B2B focused and they've tried to extend it to B2C. Um, and that's fine, but I think they may be trying to bring in more customers and, you know, the marketing team is doing a really great job of explaining some features and functionalities that are, that are available to it, but they're not clearly stating you need to be enterprise level. And so they get some folks that are bright eyed and looking at the pretty new bauble and thinking, Ooh, this, maybe we can grow into this without fully appreciating what comes with trying to reach that level. And, you know, when, when they finally get there, they realize, Oh man, there is a lot of customization. You know, the, the types of teams that are going to be really successful with this are going to be the organizations that have a CIO that have a large dedicated IT team. They are blended with onshore, offshore, and nearshore um, staff to deal with, you know, specific things. They have um, a PMO that is experienced in replatforming complex systems. That's what this is. This is not just your, your simple, you know, oh, we're going to go from Shopify to something else. It, no, it, this this is, you know, you're you're in the big boys group now and you're dealing with complexity. And so and an innovative and an innovative mindset and an innov like you said earlier, Robin, and an innovative mindset, not stability. You know, let's let's build on what we have. Let's be careful. That's not going to fly, no matter how big the IT team. So some of the things that I saw in there were really edge case issues. So people go in there and look at the happy path. Can we hit the happy path? But they don't have their edge cases clearly defined, and you really that will help you set up your project management that will help you set up your development teams and help you fully understand, do we really want to take this on? Like they don't have a discounting model. They don't have a coupon model that, you know, they don't have subscription models. Okay. Well, that's not their sweet spot. That's not what the system was designed for. You should have known that before you got into the contract stage. Amazing guys. Uh, any other comments? I can probably do short ones and then we need to wrap. Nope. 
Okay. Wonderful. So that's a wrap, guys. So if you are in there, that marketplace game where you are trying to innovate your business model and you need a platform for your enterprise scenario, um, that's where Spriker is going to be a great fit. So uh, again, if you are that complex from the business model perspective, you should definitely be looking at Spriker. On that note, uh, that's it for today. If you joined for the first time, this was part of our e-commerce series for which we meet every Wednesday at 5.30 p.m. Eastern. We pick one vendor or the solution uh, that we review independently. So make sure you guys are going to be here next week. We are going to come back with another vendor or the solution. On that note, thanks everyone for your time and insights tonight. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, guys. I cannot thank our guests enough for coming on the show, for sharing their knowledge and journey. I always pick up learnings from our guests and hopefully you learned something new today. If you want to learn more about Phil Kerper, head over to ringlingbusinesssolutions.com. It's R-I-N-G-L-I-N-G-B-U-S-I-N-E-S-S-S-O-L-U-T-I-O-N-S.com. If you want to learn more about Robert Brown, head over to rgbecommerce.com. It's rgbeco.com. Links and more information will also be available in the show notes. If anything in this podcast resonated with you and your business, you might want to check other related episodes, including the interview with Michael Box, who shares his insights on the marketplace business model and the challenges associated with launching it. Also, the interview with Ken Novak, who shares his insights on enabling self-funded operational plans for industrial manufacturers' digital journey. Also, don't forget to subscribe and spread the word among folks with similar backgrounds. If you have any questions or comments about the show, please review and rate us on your favorite podcasting platform or DM me on any social channels. I'll try my best to respond personally and make sure you get help. Thank you and I hope to catch you on the next episode of the Thank you for listening to another episode of the WBS Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform so you never miss an episode. For more information on growth strategies for SMBs using ERP and digital transformation, check out our community at wbs.rocks. We'll see you next time.